Hope. It's what military families need today. Join Hope for the Warriors once a month as we talk with America's heroes and those that support them. Through open conversations and honest dialogue, learn more about the topics that are most impacting the military community. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. So Veterans Day to me means reflecting on my time in service, being more proud than I usually am about the things that I did and the people that I served with. It instilled a sense of value, family, and the camaraderie with it because I was able to do things that I never knew I could do because of being a veteran or being in the military. Some of the coolest things is, yeah, you can go to Denny's and eat for free, but you can do it with people who you suffered with, who you joked with, who you almost died with. So it makes it so much more of a powerful statement. Like, hey, this is a day that we can just look back and say, hey, thank you. I'm glad to know you. It is fitting to open this month of the Military Family episode with that question. What does Veterans Day mean to you? I've been blessed to travel for several Hope for the Warriors events this year, and those are some of the answers from our military community. November 11th is a day to celebrate and honor those who have served or are currently serving our country. At Hope, we have MVPs, which stands for Military Veteran Peer Support. They're mentors who help veterans connect with other veterans and connect to our programs and services. So today, we wanted to bring on one of those MVPs, Scott Griffith, and our Military Relations Director, Lee Bonner. Scott, Lee, thank you for being on today. Thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. It's an honor. And it's so great to have you guys in the same room. We had no idea. I don't know how we didn't think of this sooner. (laughs) We're like sidekicks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the first question is, can you just tell us about your military service, including when and where you served? Lee, I'll start with you. I'm from Wheeling, West Virginia. I joined uh, through the MEPS in Pittsburgh, went to Paris Island, and then went to infantry training school and was a mortarman back in 1985, as everybody guessed. Then from there, I went to uh, sea duty. So I served on an aircraft carrier in the Marine Detachment, guarding special weapons. Did a Westpac and traveled around the Pacific. So I got to see a lot of countries, different countries doing that. From there, I went to uh, 29 Palms. Stood up third LAV battalion when we started the LAV program out there. From there, I went to Cuba. From Cuba, back out to San Diego. Served at Camp Pendleton. Also became a naval drug and alcohol counselor. After that, I went to Paris Island and uh, did two and a half years at Paris Island as a drill instructor. From there, I got headhunted and ended up up at Quantico as a drill instructor, again, making officers at OCS. From there, I went to uh, Camp Lejeune. I was a first sergeant that by then, OIF, OEF kicked off, but I was the second combat engineer battalion. So I went um, as an attachment with 2nd Marine Regiment to uh, um, OIF on my first tour. Came back from there, uh, ended up going to Okinawa, Japan. Picked up Sergeant Major, had a squadron over there, and did several humanitarian disaster relief on the 31st Mew, 
From there, I went to Afghanistan um, and was the um, Sergeant Major for U.S. Forces South Southwest. I came back from there and I had to do my uh, tour as the Manpower Sergeant Major at Headquarters Marine Corps, which um, everybody gets stuck doing a tour like that now and then. But I did learn a lot. It was very rewarding, and and I did learn a lot at that tour. After that, I went back to Okinawa as a three meth Sergeant Major and handled the Pacific over there. And uh, I did that and I retired out of there. That's about my 33-year career. 33 years. Wow. That's quite the career. Scott, what about you? So mine's not as extensive as that, for sure. So I was born in Seaford, Delaware, also known for Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> I joined in January of 2000. Uh, obviously went to Paris Island crew training. And then from there, I went to Marine Combat Training here at Camp Lejeune. Um, and then I went to San Antonio, Texas, where I became a uh, military police correction specialist. and. I was assigned to Camp Lejeune's brig, so I came back here to the brig, did that for quite a few, I guess, four years, and then from there I left to go be a drill instructor at Paris Island. I did a tour there. I guess from there I went to Camp Pendleton, served as a duty brig supervisor, and then I deployed with uh, 1st Battalion 12th Marines for a task force uh, military police uh, mission in Iraq, and then came back from there to Camp Pendleton, back in the brig. From there I was promoted to gunner. I was a gunner sergeant. Um, left, went to OCS, did a tour at OCS, uh, and same thing, trained officers. Let's see, from there, I went, no, I'm trying to remember. I know, no <laughs> From there, I went back to Camp Pendleton, got selected for first sergeant, served with H&S Company over at Security Emergency Services Battalion, and then left there to go to second LAR Battalion here at Camp Lejeune, where I spent the last bit of my time as an active duty Marine before I was sent to the War Battalion, where I was retired. What years did that span from, Scott? January of 2000 to uh, January 2019. And what about for you, Lee? Um, 1985 to 2018. And then Scott mentioned corrections, and I had to like, move into corrections because I couldn't re-enlist in the infantry after um, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So I did two years in corrections, too, before I went to the drill field. So I forgot about that. Did your careers ever intersect? Were you ever, were you ever in the same place at the same time that you didn't know each other yet? We might have been, but I don't know. We definitely were at Wounded Warrior Battalion at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I think prior to that, I don't think uh, the, the years he was, what, so you were, you were Lejeune's brig? No, I was at Pendleton's. That was the only brig I was ever at. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think we ever crossed paths. I was just I mean, curious because I heard a lot of Paris Island, Camp Pendleton. I was just wondering if you had ever intersected and had a moment where it was like, oh, I was there at the same time. We had no idea. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we did. (laughs) Well, what motivated you to join the military, Scott? I went to college at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. I went there for a semester, quickly realized that I needed some discipline and some structure in my life. And growing up in high school, I was always always a really small guy. So I'd always made the comment that I was going to be a Marine. And I guess I was kind of like picked and made fun of, of like, you're not big enough to be a Marine. I guess, you know, everybody has this poster image of a Marine as like some big, beefy, strong guy. Um, so everybody kind of made fun of me. And I think subconsciously it kind of like put a little bit of a challenge or a little chip on my shoulder. So when college wasn't going as well as I planned for it to, just because, uh, again, I just didn't really have the discipline and the, the stuff that I needed to kind of keep the morals of my character together. I actually ran into a Marine cr- recruiter there at the college, uh, jumped up on a pull-up bar, and I think I did like, 17 push or pull-ups and they thought I was, you know, they made me feel like I was all special and 
lo and behold, I ended up enlisting into, I was originally in the delayed entry program. I was going to be a reservist. It's going to be a combat engineer. Called my parents, told my parents that I had, that I had enlisted and I was going to join the Marine Corps. My mom obviously kind of got a little bit frantic about that. And then uh, they came to visit me the following weekend. Both of my parents met the recruiter and my dad looked at me and said, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it. You're going to do the whole thing. So this this reserve thing is not going to work for you. <laughs> so he kind of uh, kind of set me straight, which is what my dad was always known to do and uh, still does today. Keeps me on, keeps my head on a swivel and keeps me on track. That's where I ended up joining the Marine Corps going full uh, active duty and uh, very grateful for it. It wasn't exactly the MOS that I was originally trying to, to do when I joined the Marine Corps, but uh, uh, it's kind of one of those you bloom where you're planted types of things. And uh, I can say that, that my career actually turned out to be very deserving and very rewarding. Lee, how about you? Uh, I graduated in uh, 1978 out of high school and started working in a steel mill. And then uh, in 1984, Ocean EPA became really big with the environmental protection. So they started shutting half the mills and mines down because where I'm from, it's either worked in the coal, coal mine or you worked in the steel mill. So half the ship got laid off. I didn't have the seniority to stay. My foreman was a Marine Corps Vietnam veteran, and uh, he saw things in me that I was really young, so I didn't really recognize them myself. And he told me that, uh, you know, this valley is going to economically die. It's going to take it, you know, over 20 years to recover. So he grabbed me by the back of the neck and shook me around a little bit and let me know that I needed to do something. He said I needed to join the Marine Corps. He saw things. He said, I think you'd be very successful. So he took me to the recruiter and talked and signed up. That was probably the best thing that ever happened. I did not have a lot of strong male role models in my life. My grandfather, but he had passed like six, seven years before that. So Skip took me underneath his wing and, and mentored me into a, a really good direction in life. And the Marine Corps was the first place that uh, I found that if you performed well and if you and if you did things well, other men, other leaders could recognize that in you. So that's how I got directed into joining the Marine Corps. Kind of like what Lee said, you just kind of, you know, being in the military can be difficult, obviously, but at the same time, it's pretty easy because you're kind of told where you got to be, where you got to be, and how you got to be. So as long as you follow those things, you can really excel pretty easily. I joined late. I came in when I was 25. I mean, I was older than a couple of my drill instructors. But then once I got to the fleet, I was watching the younger guys making a lot of the mistakes that I'd made. So it helped me to be a leader quicker and a mentor quicker than some would listen and some wouldn't. So I, I, I got to learn that. I got to learn about those type things and what Skip told me and how he mentored me. And how the Marine Corps worked and, and how leadership worked. And as I progressed, I learned that there were individuals that were good leaders, and then you could have a positive impact on me. And there were others that weren't. And I started to get molded. So that's one thing that that as I progressed in the Marine Corps, that every day was a learning experience and every day was it gave me purpose. And that's that's one thing, even here at Hope, we have purpose. So you know, it's uh, that was a book, another continued blessing after retirement. That sort of answers the next question I have to Lee. And this is for Scott as well. How did your time in the military shape you into who you are today? It filled a void that I didn't have. You know, when I worked in the steel mill, there was a, a team effort. You, you worked on a shift. So you had your shift workers. So you had a team. So 
I felt a part of a team there. And I, and I played sports, so I liked sports. When I came into the Marine Corps, it, it was a brotherhood. It was more than a brotherhood. It was I knew that I could serve a greater purpose, but it was a deeper purpose. So the kind of things that led me up to, you know, I say everything happens for a reason, and I was kind of a cliche thing, but I knew that something was was happening. You know, I, I don't really ask the thirty three question word why. You know, <laughs> when I'm getting kicked in the shorts, I just need to freaking do it. When it came to racing my right hand, when you're standing in a room with a bunch of other individuals that are racing their right hand to serve their country, and you know that it's going to be, that it could be for the ultimate sacrifice of laying your life down for your country, it brings a, a great, a great depth of gravity to that oath. And when you do that, it really deepens your purpose into your commitment. And that is really the mold that I had to fit into. I really took that to heart. And then once you become a Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, you know, you're responsible for who's standing to your right, to your left, beside you, in front of you. You have to know everybody's job. You have to be able to take care of everybody and complete your mission and pose with and destroy your enemy and everything else that, that you, as your training goes as an infantryman. All of those things just fulfilled that purpose and continued that purpose and ingrained that purpose. So it really molded me into forward thinking and, and, and increased understanding, increased responsibility that I didn't have before. So it just molded me into being a more responsible human being and leader and husband, father, grandfather now. So <laughs> I would say I have to I have to obviously agree with everything that Lee said. And you know, going back to what I talked about before, uh, you know, I had gone through high school and went to college and kind of just found myself kind of lost, I guess, honestly, is, is the best way to kind of explain that is I just didn't really understand what my purpose was or where I belonged. You know, I think sometimes a lot of folks just fall into the category of like, they're going to go to school because that's what people do. You know, you got, you get out of high school and you go to college and then you try to find a career profession and some people find an enjoyment out of that. And some people don't. Um, so that was kind of that status quo that I found, you know, found myself in was just, I was going to go to college. I really wasn't even too sure what I wanted to study or what I wanted to do. I had always had the intentions and the thoughts of being like a state trooper or maybe start trying to get into the FBI. It was just, you know, I grew up watching uh, Rescue 911 and just always really enjoyed watching others or, you know, I guess that servant type of behavior of being able to help others um, and trying to, to serve and protect for the right reasons. So that's what uh, I would say that my career really, you know, looking back at my entire military career to, to where I am today, it's really kind of given me not only that discipline that I was looking for and that structure that I needed that developed me into a character of, I, I think I have uh, that's a stronger mindset and a way that you just learn to persevere through whatever is thrown at you, whatever obstacles are thrown at you, and you become resilient. And you just learn how to either learn through experiences that you have gone through personally or you watch others go through those experiences and you learn from those. Again, it goes back to that what I was talking about, you know, you just, you're kind of told where you, where you have to be and where you have to, where you have to go. And as long as you can follow those things and do what you're supposed to do, it, it 
can allow you to quickly excel and kind of grow as a as a as a person, not just as a, a service member or a military man, but just as a person in whole. You know, I can look back even to the beginning of my career too. And I, you know, when I first came in, in in 2000, there was no, there was no war, there was no combat at the time. And then I can distinctly remember uh, September 11th, you know, hearing about the first plane flying into a, a tower and then running over to the barracks with a couple of my, my friends. And we literally turned on the TV and watched the second one take place and the Pentagon get hit. And, you know, I would even say that that, that, that added a lot of drive to kind of like resentment and that anger of you know we're we're in the military and we just watched innocent folks or innocent people that that we put our our lives on the line to to serve and protect um they just lost their lives and families were altered in different many different ways and it, it was kind of that punch to the gut or kick to the chest i think that's even what kind of really kind of uh, refocused and made me want to stay in in the marine corps so that i could really kind of step in and try to do my part to serve. So all in all, I think that's what kind of like builds your your character, who you are. I didn't realize, Scott, that you were in when 9-11 happened, but that had to have been pretty surreal to be in. And Lee, Lee for you, obviously, as well. To What was that moment like for you? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm huge on history. I was actually in my garage um, here in Jacksonville unpacking from OCS. And my wife said, oh, my God, they had a plane crash in, in, in New York City. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, a plane just hit the World, World Trade Center. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then she said, holy shit, Lee, another one just hit. And I said, I said, well, that's not an accident. And all I thought about was Pearl Harbor. So we've been attacked. I just said, you know, we're under attack. Country's under attack. And then... The phone rang and, and they said that, hey, you know, come in. And I was a first sergeant, so it's time. So I, I went up on the base. Everybody was, you know, not necessarily scurrying around, but we were just waiting for the news, what was going to happen. Processes were starting at higher. Um, but that day was just a shock and everybody was pissed. Everybody was upset and, and ready to go. And any good any good Marine always has their gear. You got your go bag. You got your your stuff set. So, and everybody was just chomping at the bit to go and, and find out who and where and and where are we going. And then the wait to go was horrendous. It was terrible. Everybody wanted to to just ruck up, get on a plane or a boat, and go. But ultimately, you know, everybody ended up getting their turn, and everybody ended up deploying as much as they did. It was just a, a day that you, you wouldn't. You can't forget. It changed history. It changed our world. And we're still fighting it today. There's no way I can just put one word on that day um, of, 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 you know, the impact that it had on my life and my family um, that I that I didn't even process until after I got out. My answer to them was always, I'm, I'll be back. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about me. Because I knew I was well trained and and everything like that, but I never thought about like my family, like while I was deployed, I never thought about the horror my wife felt every time the phone rang or every time somebody knocked on the door. I never thought about that while I was in. I never processed that stuff till I got out, and 
actually had time to sit down with my wife and have conversations about that. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was really heartbreaking for me to be that cold because I had compartmentalized so much, so many things while I would, had been in. So um, it's really hard to, uh, and, and I'm kind of getting into some of the things that we work with, that we work with and through, and why we're able to be effective in working with other veterans. It's uh, the process, the, the actual emotions of that day and the following days and having to deal with your troops and their anger and everything else. And when I talk about fighting the long war, we're still fighting that long war every day. So we're fighting a war with ourselves too. This battle with misinformation, right? The younger generation not understanding the history and the significance of holidays like Veterans Day. Can you touch on that, Lee? 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918. That was when the armistice was signed. It was celebrated on the 11th day of the 11th month in 1919. And then in 1954, it was changed to Veterans Day after World War II. Yet people don't understand that. And they don't know, they don't understand that Veterans Day is celebrating those individuals that raised their hand and said that I'm willing to sacrifice my life for this country so that every American can remain free. And Memorial Day is for those that raised their right hand and gave the ultimate sacrifice for you to remain free. Actually, when you brought the question up and Lee started talking about, but actually before you even brought it up, I already knew kind of, kind of the, what rabbit hole he was going to go into because we see it all the time where folks get Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused. You know, even some of my own friends and family, you know, Memorial Day would always say, thank you for your service. And I had to quickly remind them that it, it wasn't my day to be thanked for my service. Uh, it was a day to reflect and remember the fallen. And then even Veterans Day, you know, I know that's kind of like something that that we wanted to talk about and what Veterans Day means. I can still say even from from my mindset, it's still a kind of day that can be sovereigns uh, or day of sovereigns, just because you still think about your friends and your, you know, your brothers and sisters who had who given their life for this country. So I would say Veterans Day still does kind of feel that way. That kind of gives you that same, from a veteran standpoint, that same mentality that you kind of feel on Memorial Day as well. But at the same time, we carry that with us every day of our lives. And I think that's that's what's important to try to, to dictate those two things. I mean, it, it's, you know, Veterans Day is important to obviously show appreciation to everybody who, is, who has or is still currently serving in today's military. Um, and that's extremely important. I think it's important for people to to recognize that but to me it's not so much a holiday it's a it's just a day that the outside world from the other from a non-military perspective put their thoughts and minds into something that we deal with every single day of our lives you know it's it's veterans day every day it's memorial day every day anytime you see a, an active duty service member or you see a retiree it's i think it's very important especially from another veteran to veteran to tell them how much you appreciate everything that they've done and what they did for this country, um, and obviously, Memorial Day has a whole different, a whole different meaning. And again, we carry those burdens every day of 
of uh, wishing that we had one more moment or one more chance to to see some some folks that we lost and um, wish that they were still here to feel some of the pain that we walk around with every day because unfortunately they don't get to feel that anymore. You mentioned showing your appreciation. What is the best way uh, for people to show their appreciation, especially on Veterans Day? Maybe not saying thank you for your service, but doing things differently. And maybe not just that day, you know, throughout the whole year. We've talked about this in our peer group. We do our, our veterans peer group and and, and I've, we've talked about it with our clients as well. We go back to our oath that when we raised our hand. And we sat in here and Larry was probably the one that said it the best. And he said, you know, I just would like to be thanked for our freedom. You know, I wouldn't want somebody to come up to you and say, hey, thank you for my freedom. And he goes, he goes, because, you know, it's our freedom as our country. You know, I want to serve our country. We all, we all as veterans and service member raised our hand to serve our country to protect our freedoms as Americans. And and it was our choice to serve our country. Our service to our country was to in, ensure that we remain free. Any of us that served in combat, we were thinking during those hard times about everybody back here. <laughs> we weren't thinking about us. We were thinking about to the ones right to the right of us, to the left of us, that we were there to serve with, and we were thinking about everybody back home, not just one person. We were thinking about all the Americans, all the patriots back here that were supporting us and 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 what our purpose was. You know, it goes back to uh, being genuine. You know, when someone does approach you and say, thank you for your service, you can tell whether, I mean, it, it, you know, you can, just, you can kind of read whether they're just saying it to say it or if they genuinely mean it. But I can say, just like Lee, I, I, to reinforce what Lee said, because he hit it, you know, if it was if it was a nail, he hit it right on the head. You know, we, we didn't do it for self-recognition. I don't think anybody joins the military because they want to be a hero. You know, they just they, you just don't. And, you know, even if you talk to folks that are labeled as heroes and people that I even look up to as a hero, they'll just tell you they were just doing their job. And when I say doing their job, it goes back to just like Lee said, they were just they were just there to, uh, to put their life down. For the person to the left or right of them and the people back home to keep them safe and free and to just carry out the mission that's been given. You know, you just don't you don't really take the time to think about what the outcome is going to be. You just know that something's about to happen and you've got to react to it. I think that's important. And I, and I would say from my perspective, the best way to, to really show appreciation to a veteran isn't to walk up to them and tell them thank you for their service or to say thank you at all. It's just to, to be a good American. To be a good human and to 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 have positive uh, a positive impact on people, to be free, to live in that that free mindset of knowing that you have rights that are not a privilege. I mean, they are, but they were granted to you because you know our forefathers and people still today are laying down their lives to to incur, to to carry out that freedom and to make sure that we still have those things that uh, we didn't at one time. I think that's how you show true appreciation to to a military veteran is to just, again, be a good American and live a prosperous life and contribute to the society. You know, just continue to ensure that you enforce that people have their own right to be free and they, they can think how they want to think. They can, they can be who they want to be and they don't have to be held back or have limits or, 
you know, statues put on them of what they can or can't do. Lee, you mentioned a lot about um, purpose, and this feels like a, a good time to transition into Hope for the Warriors and what you do for Hope for the Warriors. What is your purpose and what is your role with Hope? Uh, as a director of military relations, my first and foremost is uh, our clients. Anytime a client comes into Hope for the Warriors and, and, and they come through intakes or they go to an event and they plug in, whether they're a service member, family member, veteran, caregiver, blue gold star family member, and they come into our programs and, and they're offered peer-to-peer support, they'll come to military relations. My primary purpose is to ensure that our team, that we connect with them and life ebbs and flows. And there's one thing about Hope for the Warriors that that, that just, you know, we're, we're one big family. And once you become part of us, you're part of the family. And uh, you stay with us your whole life if you want. And, and, and we'll call you however often you need us to call you. And it's that veteran-to-veteran connection. We can talk to a veteran, veteran-to-veteran in, in ways that they can't talk to either a social worker or a psychologist or a, a counselor or a therapist in a relatable way because they haven't chewed the dirt like we chewed the dirt. So we can talk in acronyms and and maybe in less uh, socially appropriate ways <laughs> that they like to talk. Um, if that's maybe the best way to put it, I guess, this better in language and sit there and understand and let them vent and, and talk about whatever they need to talk about. And we can understand exactly what they're going through because we've been broken down the same as they have rebuilt, served in garrison, served in combat and gone through the transition and thought we had the perfect plan, <laughs> which nobody has. And then have gotten out and gone through the struggle of trying to define ourselves again and find that purpose again. We work really hard with the the service members that we get so that when it comes time for them to EAS and get out, that there's somebody standing on the other side of that bridge waiting for them. If we get them after they get out, we're right there with them and we can help them in that transition and help them through those times. And life ebbs and flows too. You know, if they run into other problems, we're here to re refer them to any services that they may need or, or, or get them to where they need any kind of help and get them back into their interests and things like that. So you talk about purpose. I mean, there's no other better purpose than that for me is to, to be able to, uh, Sure, my experience, strength, and hope with someone that, that, that may be able to help them. So I'm a, a military veteran program manager. So obviously I work under Lee as the director of military relations. I have to simply say that, that my role today is to provide the same type of service that I was provided. When I was going through my transition from the Marine Corps into the civilian sector, um, Hope for the Warriors stepped in and helped me through that transition and pulled me through some pretty dark times that I um, was not expecting to experience. When you do come to a time where you're gonna transition, you know, you, you kind of think that, you, just like Lee said, you always have this plan and you think that everything's gonna work exactly the way that you have it planned. And, and in some cases, and sometimes most cases, when it comes to that transition, none of that plan goes to the way that, that you were hoping that it would go. 
And it don't, not, not only affects you as a veteran, but it affects your entire family. And, you know, that transition is tough, not only for you, but for them as well, because now you're, you have completely integrated back into that home lifestyle and where, you know, a lot of times where you're gone a lot, or you're, whether you're deployed or whether you're training or whether whatever it is, it could just be your, your everyday job in the military. You're, you're away from home quite a bit. And now you're back into that role of being there all the time. I mean, I, I, I you know, I joke about it. My wife, when I was active duty, I remember my wife always saying, like, you're never home. And then once I retired, she looked at me and said, when are you leaving? <laughs> so that 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 really feeds into the purpose of what we do. And specifically and solely for me, again, because now I'm I'm in a position where I get to try to provide the same type of support that I got when I was going through it and hope stepped in and really helped me out. It feels good to, to at least try to do your part to give back to the service members and the veterans that are going through some of that same stuff that, that I went through. And I watched and experience others go through. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you know, just like when you're an active, when you're active duty, you, you, you deal with a lot of challenges and sometimes you get to a point where you're like, man, there's there's nothing that could happen that I've never seen before. And then something would happen that you've never seen before. And I would say that even in this role that we have here in Hope, but, you know, same thing, you know, every day I, I, I'd like to think that I've got some experience under my under my belt and I've seen a lot of things and helped uh, young Marines, older Marines and veterans get through things. Um, and somehow there's still things that pop up every day that I've never dealt with before, because just like, you know, Lee, Lee mentioned that life is always changing and things are happening um, and people experience and go through things that they're not expecting to, or they are expecting to, and it doesn't have the, the outcome that they, that they were anticipating. And it creates anxiety and it creates stress and it can trigger, uh, you know, the, those, those PTS moments. And that's where, you know, our team really gets to step in and try to help those folks, you know, step back from a, from a ledge that they they may be approaching to or, thoughts that they're having because we again we can share those types of those experiences and stories and kind of like give each other advice on how we got through things or how they get through things and the reality is is that when we spend time with our clients they're helping us too you know and, and they, they may not even realize it sometimes but you know they call us saying that they need help with this or they call us saying that they're having some high high anxiety moments because of something that's that they're going through in their life and veterans just have like this really weird connection. It's kind of like this subconscious thing that pops up in your head. And sometimes someone that you've never even, you don't really think about, or you haven't had any thought about them, they just pop in your head and you're like, you know, I haven't talked to them in a little bit of time. I need to call and check on them or I need to find out what's going on. And it's, it's ironic that when you get them on the phone or sometimes you struggle to get them on the phone because they're in that really dark place and they're, they've isolated themselves. And sometimes that simple phone call or that simple visit or even a message on Messenger or however you try to get a hold of someone, it's been quite a few times that I've been told that it's really weird that I thought of them at the time that they were really kind of going through those bad times. And again, I think it's just that subconscious mentality that happens within veterans that, I don't know, we're just drawn to, to kind of step in and try to do the best we can to help because, again, we go through it ourselves. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've found myself isolating and it happens really, really quickly. And, and um, when those moments happen and you find yourself in that dark place, 
it's your fellow friends and your fellow brothers and sisters that again have helped you and you've helped them that are usually the ones that step in and kind of pull you back out of that funk and remind you that you do have purpose. It's a very rewarding job. Um, it's hard to call it a job because I don't like to even consider it a work because it's just something that veterans like to do. We like to take care of each other. It's kind of what we were trained to do. We're just, uh, it's embedded into our our character and our spirit. Or, yeah, just to, to to look out for each other. I mean, I, if, if I didn't have anybody to look out for, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I, would, I, should, I certainly don't know how to really look out for myself. I, I would kind of rely on others to to do that and help me through that as well. So, yeah. It, it, I'm going to add that Scott hit on a great, great, great point, and that is that we're, we're not prepared when we transition for the emotional transition at all. We're taught about resumes. We're taught about LinkedIn. We're taught about how to find a job, how to do a federal resume, a civilian resume, things like that. Get your CNP exam set up, get ready for your VA, do these things. And that, and that's if you're retiring. Now, if you're just getting out after four years, then they're usually riding you in the saddle till right before you get out. But when it comes to the emotional aspect of it, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I was not ready to be home. 24 7, seven days a week for a month, surrounded by emotions and constant communication and <laughs> all of that at all. <clears throat> and I was completely out of my wheelhouse. So I got a contracting job up in Philadelphia. But then I got this job and, and this job saved my life because I got to do Resilient Warrior. And I got to work with Jory and I got to find out some things about myself and I got to go plug into some things that I needed to take care of, the things that I needed to work on. Baggies that I carried into the Marine Corps that I hadn't addressed and then things that happened in the Marine Corps that compounded and I compartmentalized and just turned cold emotionally. And then all of a sudden you retire and you're flooded and you get out and you're flooded with all these emotional challenges that before I could just be a workaholic over the demand of the Marine Corps would just take me away from all that stuff. And all, my wife had to handle all that stuff. And these are the things that, that we work with every day that help other veterans and service members. Well, thank you for everything that you guys do for Hope for the Warriors. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me today about Veterans Day and Hope for the Warriors and what we do to help people every day. So thank you both for being on. Great being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And with that, we come to the end of another inspiring episode of the Hope for the Warriors podcast. We hope that the stories shared today have left you with a renewed sense of appreciation for our veterans and a deeper understanding of the sacrifices they've made for our freedom. Veterans Day is not just a day on the calendar. It's a reminder to honor and support those who have served and continue to serve. It's a time to reflect on their courage their resilience, and the hope they bring into our lives. 
We want to express our heartfelt gratitude to all the veterans out there, as well as their families who have stood by their side through thick and thin. Thank you for your service, your sacrifices, and your unwavering commitment to our great nation. Before we go, remember that Veterans Day is not just a one-day affair. It's a sentiment that should be carried with us every day. Reach out to the veterans in your life, listen to their stories, and extend your hand in support. As we conclude and look forward to more stories in the future, we encourage you to join us in celebrating Veterans Day Month. Let's make every day a day to honor and support our nation's heroes. Until next time, keep in mind, a little kindness goes a long way. Hope is what our military community needs today.